The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Good morning. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California, streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer. We've enjoyed bringing this show since 2005. Your host is Mari Frank, a local attorney since 1985. She's a certified information privacy professional. Mari's testified many times on privacy issues in Congress and the California legislature. You may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, The O'Reilly Factor, and many more shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash privacypiracy. Mari, what's our show about this morning? Well, Lloyd, today our show is quite a bit about ransomware. And so that's kind of a scary thing out there in cyberspace. So we're going to be talking about that with a wonderful guest. Actually, he's been on our show a couple times, and he's a wonderful repeat guest. So if you haven't heard him before, let me tell you a little bit about Dave Watts, who is President and Chief Information Officer of NetFusion. Dave and his team design, implement, and manage stable, scalable, and secure IT networks for professional services firms and small to medium-sized businesses throughout California. He's recognized by the Los Angeles Business Journal as a finalist for CIO of the Year for four consecutive years. And Dave uses a proprietary approach to network architecture, and this is designed to bolster an organization's productivity and network accessibility while still increasing data privacy and security. And that's so important. So thank you so much for joining us, Dave. Thanks, Maury, for having me back again. Yeah. So, Dave, why don't you tell my audience, how is it that you got to be such a techie? I think that's really important. Uh, you know, it's, I think I uh, started, honestly, by uh, breaking everything that was around me as a child and seeing if I could put it back together. Sometimes I could and sometimes I couldn't. <laughs> um, and somehow that morphed into a natural interest into computers and networking and then later, uh, you know, data privacy and security. Mm. So we have, that's such a huge issue now. It's so, I mean, we've heard about everything about hacking from Russians. We've heard about hacking from into all of the networks of governmental agencies, banks, our infrastructure, everything. So let's kind of narrow down and talk about ransomware and what the heck is that? Okay. Um, ransomware is a very, it's a specific but very common type of malware, um, and it's something that you get on your computer and it encrypts or locks your computer files, and then it literally demands a ransom to release them, thus the name ransomware. Mm. Oh my goodness. So, who is doing this? <laughs> so, um... This is cyber criminals, uh, and I'm sure your audience probably is a little more savvy than um, some, but uh, cyber, cyber criminals do this professionally. 
So they are actually out there uh, doing this. This is not someone sitting, this is not war games, someone sitting in their bedroom doing this. This is actually professional criminal rings doing this, um, often from Russia or other uh, countries. Um, and then what they're doing is they are actually uh, collecting uh, ransom for all this malware that they're putting out there. And the FBI reports that they've collected, I think the first three months, they collected like $209 million, and that's just of the people that reported it. That means it's on track for being over a billion-dollar year crime this year. And think about the, uh, how much more, the, if you think about the average bank robbery, is like 35000 or something small. Um, and you think about how much money is collected this way, you can see why cyber criminals are spending their time doing this professionally. Wow, this is total extortion. It, it is. It really is. So, you know, who, who are the targets, basically? So um, it really affects um, almost everyone, hospitals, uh, school districts, state and local, local governments, uh, even law enforcement agencies, which is, you know, uh, uh, pretty gutsy, uh, small businesses, large businesses, and even individuals on home computers, although it's a little bit less, uh, less common. Right, because they're going to go where the money is, right? That's where Correct. most criminals exactly. go. Yep. Wow. And do you have any idea about... Um, you know, how often they're caught? So they're not caught very often. The FBI, uh, it's very, very difficult to catch uh, this. It's very easy to hide your tracks yeah. with uh, cybercrime. That's why so many, um, um, you know, individuals or organizations have gotten into cybercrime. And so it's very, very difficult to catch. I don't have any specific statistics, but I have gone and spoken to several FBI agents, and um, they all of them say it's very difficult to find them, and even if they find them, you're not going to get your money back. Right, right. So how are these targets, whether it be, you know, large hospitals or even, I know, law firms this has happened to, I've heard about that. Yes. Yeah, so how, what, are, what is actually the impact besides the, the loss of, of money that they have to pay off? Okay, so not, you don't always, you're not always guaranteed that you'll get your data back, even mm. if you pay the ransom. So imagine loss of your, uh, you know, any sensitive or proprietary info. So imagine yeah. losing all of your client records, your client data, your trade secrets, maybe your finances for your business, um, your own records of anything else, personnel, etc. So anything that you deal with on your computer, imagine all that gone. Okay, so that's huge. And then another thing is, imagine the disruption to your operations. What if you, like you said, a law firm? What if you're a law firm and you're having you're you're in the middle of a big trial or a big case or a big mm. whatever you're working on, and suddenly this happens and you're planning. You need your computer. You need your files. You need all this. And who's going to ever plan or budget time wise to have their network be basically gone um, for some period of time? And with a question mark as to whether it's going to come back or not. You know, there's also, like, as you said, there's a financial loss in order to pay the ransom, but there's also a financial loss to restore your systems and files. Uh. Um, once, let's say you pay the ransom and, you, and you're lucky enough to get your data back, you're not done. They're in your system. You're going to have to go out and reformat everything, uh. restore from backups, and make sure you go far back enough that you um, don't have any, like, ransomware or, or, or malware that caused it. Um, that's uh, lurking somewhere in your systems. Mm. And, um, and then, of course, uh, <clears throat> what I think is the biggest thing is the damage to your reputation um, by having to disclose the breach. And I'm sure your listeners probably know if you have a breach in California, you're legally required to report it. 
Yes, and in many other states as well. So you have to report it. Or even if you're a company in another state, but you have clients and customers in California, you have a duty to disclose it if, unless it was encrypted. Now, what about in, in, what if all of your data was encrypted? So what does that mean to these ransomware people? I mean, are, if, they, if it's encrypted, is it worth it to them? Or what, what happens? Okay, good question. <clears throat> Excuse me. If your data is encrypted at rest, mm-hmm. which is, I think, what you're asking, mm-hmm. if your data is encrypted at rest, then if someone were to physically steal your server or your computer, then they wouldn't be able to get in there. But if ransomware attacks while you're working, so mm-hmm. when you're working, your data, even if it's encrypted at rest, is no longer encrypted while you're using it. Wow. So therefore, the ransomware gets on your computer, it can see anything that you could see as a user. Wow. on that computer or that network. So any files on your computer, once the computer started up and you've logged in and basically using it and now it's being used in an unencrypted state because wow. it's on, right. then it can see everything. Then it's going to re-encrypt everything with its codes, encryption keys that you don't have access to. Oh, my God. Now, what about if you have a backup, um, a hard a hard drive backup. I know. I would. Oh, and what, what does it mean if you have a hard drive backup, or if you have a backup in the cloud, or you know what? What does all that mean to this ransomware? So it's not going to prevent any ransom. You getting ransomware. So it wouldn't. It would not prevent like disruption to your operations. It wouldn't, etc. But what it does mean, and it wouldn't prevent some the breach from having happened. They still have had access to your data. Right. And what it would do though is help you get your data back, so you could avoid paying the ransom. One, if you had right. great backups. Right. Okay? Right. And we can discuss great backups if you want. And then, um, so one, it would avoid paying the ransom. And two, it would also allow you to uh, get back up and operational as quickly as possible. So one, avoid paying the ransom. Two, get back up and operational as quickly as possible. Um, But but you'd still have to disclose it. Which yes, would, would cost you a fortune in the disclosure, and who knows what happens if the bad guys use the data that they got. For example, if they got social security numbers and other numbers, then they could again resell it, and then your customers or your clients then become victims of identity theft. Or if it's um, IP information, oh my God, it just it just gets scarier. <laughs> yeah, so that's a really good question, though, because a lot of people say, well, I've got good backups, I'm not worried about it. That has nothing to do with your your information is breached, but it will help you get back it up oper- operational faster, but the breach is done. You still have all the other impact of having, I'm sorry, all the other consequences of having a breach. Okay, so are you saying that um, if you do a backup in the cloud, you're safe, or should it be like a backup on a on a hard drive, another hard drive within your office or both? Oh, I rec- um, both. I recommend that you do, if you're going to do backups, um, so uh, let's talk about if you're a business, you would want to backup your servers. Um, if you're keeping data on a local laptop or something local, you would want to do backups of that also. I do recommend doing uh, full hard disk backups, like you mentioned a moment ago, mm-hmm. of either the server or the local machines. The reason I recommend that is it's impossible to avoid backing something up. You're going to back up everything on that hard drive. Right. And you'll, um, it's called an image-based backup. And then you also must have the backups also stored someplace off-site. Right. Um, 
that are not accessible through a common, what we would call a, a share, a network share. You shouldn't be able to browse it from your computer, that backup, easily, because if you can, then the ransomware can encrypt it also. That's what I was going to ask you. Like some people say, oh, I, I have a backup on OneDrive. You know what so I mean? I, that, yeah, and, and, I wouldn't and, imagine that that would be so safe. It's not. And if, if, and if you... Some people just make copies of things on their computer to another drive, and that's visible from your computer. Mm. Anything visible from your computer, okay, that would be accessible from your computer is accessible um, to the, um, the ransomware, and that means it will be encrypted also. Right. So, so, for example, I have a hard drive backup on, a, on another computer, but I also have um, a, a service that I back up. So would that serve? I guess you'd have to look into the terms of the service to see if that cloud backup um, would protect you from ransomware. Yeah, it, it most likely would as long as you couldn't just easily browse it from your computer. So if you didn't have a, an open connection to it all the time where you could look at it right. um, easily, you'd probably be fine. You have to, I think you have to have passwords to get into that. Yeah, and I would recommend also having two-factor authentication enabled on that. Right. Because that way if someone does have some what we call key logging software and grabs your username and password, which is pretty easy, then they can't, they still, that's not enough. They still can't get to it without that two-factor authentication, and a ransomware would not be able to interact with that two-factor authentication. Oh, my God. Okay, so why don't you explain to us a little bit, like, what exactly happens when uh, ransomware infects your computer? Can you kind of walk us through that? Sure. So uh, you want to talk a little bit about, like, how you get the ransomware Yeah, 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 yeah. How you get it and then how it affects you. Okay. So how you get ransomware infection, it's usually, uh, as with most pieces of malware, it's usually uh, the, the easiest target for a system is usually the person, the user, mm-hmm. um, because we are too trusting usually or curious or both. So what it does is it usually sends you an email, and then the user, the person, clicks on an attachment that appears legitimate. Right. Um, I've received these myself, by the way, right. um, where it looks like an invoice or an electronic fax. The invoice one is very common, actually, because you're like, well, wait, why am I getting an invoice from this company? I don't know that. And you want to open it. Right. So right. when you open the attachment, it infects the computer. Um, those are often done through macros that are in those. So I do recommend that you have it so that macros can't run on their own on your computer. Um, is another good thing. Um, now, and wait, it, okay, so you said something important there. So sure. does that mean you can get that through like Norton or one or McAvee or something? Is that is that something that you specifically add or you uh, att- is it included with your um, with your antivirus and your anti spyware? Is that already included or do you mm-hmm. have to ask for that separate? Okay, so good question. So uh, there's actually two ways you could prevent um, uh, a couple things that could happen. One is if you want to prevent, I, it's, a, it's a standard practice, you should prevent macros from being able to be run automatically on your computer. Right. That can be a setting um, within Outlook. Um, it can be also a setting within your antivirus or anti-malware not to allow to disable all macros okay. that are running. Um but also, if you are, if you have a you know business network for your email, you might have a third-party spam filtering or email protection system, right. and you can also tell it 
scan all attachments and do not strip out any attachments that have macros in them. It's pretty, unless you just work with spreadsheets all the time um, and macros back and forth with some external partner, uh, business partner, it's pretty unusual to have mac people sending you Word docs or Excel things with macros, especially Word docs. Yeah. Um, so any way you can do, I would talk to your IT person or your okay. IT support or your outsourced IT firm right. and have them disable the ability for you to receive macros through email. Okay. Okay, yeah. in, in attachments. Great. Okay, Okay, great. so yeah, and then another, um, uh, another way is if you get an email completely legitimate looking and it has a URL in the email, okay, that looks legitimate, but when you click on it, it either takes you to a website that infects your computer right away or it has you put something in like change your password and you do it and sometimes it's so clever it'll even change your password with the real system but now they've got the username and password and now they have the ability to send something down to your computer. So you want to avoid, I recommend on any URL in the email, please don't click on the URL. If it tells you to take some action, get out of your email system Go log in manually to the browser, go to your browser and go to that website yourself and then see if it's actually an accurate piece of information. Most often, very often it's not. Oh my goodness. Now, okay. what if it's a URL that you know? Uh, if it's a URL that you know, here's what's a little tricky. What you see in the email, what is typed, yes. is not where you're necessarily oh. going to go. You can make, it's kind of like having a nickname. You can be go out and introduce yourself as any name you want, but it doesn't really change your real name. So oh. you want to hover over. If you're on a computer, it's easier right. than a phone. You want to hover over that URL, and if you hover over it, you will be able to see the real address it's going to send you to. Oh. And you want to look the last, and quite often that might be really long. You want to look at the very last thing before the uh, domain extension, so something.com or something. Go to the very end of it and make sure it's the, name of the company that you want to go to. But again, I recommend looking at it and then exiting your email, go to a browser and open it up separately. Mm. I got mm. one today from uh, supposedly saying my Apple password needed to be reset. Right. And it was completely legitimate looking. It had the font that Apple always uses in their emails, etc. And it was, you hover over it, it was something completely different. Oh my goodness. Wow. Hmm. So, so if I prepare an email that has a URL in it, um, what is it possible that someone could, let's say there's a URL at the bottom of my email with my address, you know, it says marifrank.com or okay. whatever. Can someone actually take that email and change it? Yes. Oh, my God. So, so that's, that's what's called, uh, usually called spear phishing. So okay. Phishing, if you've ever heard the term yes. phishing. Yes, Phishing, okay. You know, phishing is what we were just describing, trying to right. trick you into clicking on something you shouldn't click on. Right. Okay. Spear phishing is, um, means it's going to be targeted. So let's say that I'm going after a particular company or I, a particular person at a company. So I'm looking for specific monetary gain from a particular company, like a law firm, like you said. Mm -hmm. Law firms, CPA firms, et cetera, are probably going to be more likely to try to pay a ransom and get their data back. Right. Um, but they're also going to have a lot of information about their clients, which is very valuable. Right. So, um, and they probably have the ability to pay. 
So they might be targeting a specific person at a firm, and they might say, so let's say you, know, you always email someone at a particular firm. If they're smart, they will have already like, uh, gotten into your systems, start watching your email. They might grab an email from you, put your signature on something, put a, a, a wrong URL in there and or a call to action in there. And because it's coming from someone they know and they think it's from you, from Mari Frank or Dave Watts, Mm-hmm. then they are more likely to not be as careful, and they might click on that link. Yeah. So let me ask you this. So I have gotten emails from people that I know, but I knew enough that I knew it wasn't right, you know, because mm-hmm. of the what they were asking. So what I did was I forwarded the email and said, this is, you know, you've got, you've got spam or you've got something malware on your computer. You better take care of it because I know this isn't from you, is it? Now, is that okay to do, just to let That's, them see it? I think it's okay to do, um, as long as you you know start off at the top. Be sure and don't click on any of this. I just got this from you. Right, you right. I say this looks like, uh, in fact, I put in the subject line, it looks like fraud from you. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because yeah, you don't want to inadvertently you know, propagate the, the right. bad stuff. Right. Um, but I would probably recommend, <clears throat> even if they replied back and said, yes, it's for me, I still wouldn't click on it without calling them. Right. And confirming that by, um, by a voice that you recognize. Yeah. What I usually get back is, oh, my God, yes, this <coughs> I found out about this. You know, I just found out about it. Yeah. So, I do that, too, because sometimes people don't even realize that their system has been compromised and it's sending out stuff. Right. And if I just delete it, I'm not helping them at all. So right. what what do you recommend that you do when, when you find out that you've been hacked that way? What do you do? Okay. So the first sign for specifically for ransomware, you may not know that you've got any ransomware until it starts encrypting files. And it's going to encrypt files in the background until, and the way you're going to know is you're going to try to go to something and you won't have access to it anymore, mm-hmm. or you're going to get a message on your screen advising you that you've been, you know, hacked and that you've got ransomware and it's going to be asking you for a ransom and giving you some instructions on how to pay. So that's how you're going to know. Um, at that point, it's probably too late, but I would still recommend doing what I'm about to tell you to do if you think you did something wrong. If you think you clicked on something wrong um, and you're not sure and you suddenly it occurred to you like, oh, this, you click on something and it goes someplace where you weren't expecting, um, I would do the same thing I would do that if I found out I was infected and that was immediately disconnect your computer from the internet okay. um, and or from your computer network. Don't forget to turn off your wireless adapter if you've got wireless. Mm. Um, if you don't know, just turn the computer off, okay? On a laptop, you can hold the power button down until it goes off. On a regular computer, you just unplug it. Um, the ransomware usually has to phone home for instructions via the Internet. And so you're trying to prevent two things, one, from it phoning home for the instructions, and two, from it encrypting any other computers it can see. So mm. it's, uh, you know, if you're at your office, it's really bad, and you definitely want to make sure that you, you know, you don't want to be allowing it to encrypt uh, you know, file shares on your servers. Right. So you want to disconnect and then call your IT department and have them instruct you on what to do. They may uh, want to come out and reformat your machine. They may want to scan it. But you want to at least disconnect all communication from that machine. That's the first thing you want to do. Right, right. Now, um, the FBI actually doesn't want you to pay the ransom. <clears throat> Excuse me. They say it's, um, it's, they're, they're not sure you're going to get your money back. They do want you to report it, but they recommend not paying the ransom 
um, their recommendations, which are mine also, and that is, you know, try to prevention is probably the best way to avoid getting ransomware. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Do we have enough time for me to give you some good prevention techniques? We've got um, we've got about three more minutes. You want to just give us some bullet points on it's that? Be, yes, very short. So. Uh, security awareness training for employees and talk about the phishing stuff that we, we you and I just talked about. Uh-huh. A lot of employees don't know about that. Keep all your systems patched, up to date, software, hardware, all digital devices. Keep your anti-malware up to date. And then if you're in an office environment, don't, ha- don't operate your computer with administrator access. Make sure only your IT people can install software. That'll prevent the malware from installing when you click on something. And then the, uh, the blocking the email attachments with macro scripts we talked about. And then back up your data, like you said, frequently throughout the day and verify the integrity of those backups. That's going to be all that stands between you and getting your data back. Mm. Well, we actually still have another couple minutes. (laughs) That was really great. So you have have a couple more minutes to give us more because this is wonderful, wonderful for us to know it. So So, um, on the backups, I would secure your backups. So they can't become encrypted. So this is what we touched on earlier, and it's often overlooked. And then send them off-site daily. Um, so you want to have that local backup because uh, that's going to be faster to restore from, and you also want to have the one that's off-site, all right, um, so that it cannot be encrypted by, you know, by the ransomware. that can see, Anything it can see locally, it can probably encrypt. Um, we talked about something else we haven't talked about is if you're um, at a, and if you may not be the IT person, but if you work in an office or you're the CEO or an office manager, or whatever, you can talk to your IT people about doing this. Segment your network and restrict permissions so that any one user can't see more than they really need to see. Because right. if you have unlimited access on the network and you get ransomware, guess what? It has unlimited access. Mm. It has your access. So only have the right access that you need. And I kind of skipped over this uh, or went over it quickly a minute ago, but, you know, if you, um, I recommend never operating your computer, even a home computer as an administrator on your computer, have a regular user. And then if you need to install software periodically, um, then log in as the other administ- as the administrator and install the software that way or set it up so that it will prompt you for that username and password of the administrator. The reason you want to do that is ransomware has any rights that you have that you're logged in as. So you don't want to operate as an administrator on a daily Ah. basis on your computer. Just use that for installing software and that's it. That is brilliant. Well, we have just another minute left. I'd like you to just give us your website and just tell us a couple things that we could find there. Okay. My website is uh, netfusion.com. That's N-E-T-F as in Frank, (laughs) U-S and Sam, I-O-N.com. And uh, we work with professional service firms, um, CPA firms, law firms, and other small businesses. And if you go up there and you go to, we have a video library up there. If you go up there, some of these tips that we've talked about with cybersecurity and also some of these uh, prevention methods are up there and some videos that you can watch and hopefully glean a little bit and take it back to your office and hopefully make use of it. Oh, that is just wonderful. We so appreciate your brilliance and your great advice, and we will have you back again. So thanks so much, and I just wanted everybody to know, again, it's Dave Watts, who's President and Chief Information Officer of NetFusion. That's netfusion.com. And Dave, thank you so much, and we will have you back again, okay? 
Thanks, Mara. I enjoyed it. Okie doke. Bye-bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM and Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8 a.m. and visit our website at KUCI.org slash Privacy Piracy and our new website, PrivacyPiracy.org. Thanks. Stay private. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.